Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of The Fighter versus The Writer. I am your host, as always. I am Damon Martin, and today I am joined by one of the top welterweights in the world, a good friend of mine, and of course, one day, hopefully, a full-time podcast host once he actually gets through all this fighting stuff he wants to do. Uh, welcome back, welterweight superstar Matt Brown. Matt, how are you? I'm great, man. I got to get back on the podcast, bro. I know, right? Like, you got all this fighting stuff you're doing, you know? Like, come on now. Podcast is way more fun. Come on. Well, you know what? If it was only fighting, I probably would have the time. But with the kids, the gym, <laughs> the business, it is, uh, yeah, man. You know, kids. Yeah, that keeps you. That keeps you. That keeps you hopping. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let me start by asking how you're doing. Of course, a lot of people know you were going to fight a couple of weeks ago. You had to fight with Brian Barberina. Unfortunately, you got COVID. You had to drop out of the fight. So just the general question, how are you feeling? How are you doing, you know, coming out of the COVID stuff? I feel good. Just getting the cardio back, just getting back to training now. Um, yeah, I was really disappointed, man. And I was really excited to fight Brian Barberina. You know, he's not a big name. Like I'm kind of more used to fighting. He's not a someone that when, when people ask me, who are you fighting? I say, Brian Barberina. They're like, well, never heard of him. Okay. Um, you know, so it's not, you know, wasn't significant in that aspect. Um, but he's just a, his stylistically, man, what a fun fight. You know, he's just a banger and um, he's willing to engage with you the whole fight. And he's got great cardio and it would have been a really exciting matchup, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, with that being said, of course, the UFC announced over the weekend that they are officially going back on the road again and they are going to be coming here to Columbus, Ohio, uh, the town you and I both live in, and they are being here on March 26th, Jan Blachowicz and Alexander Rakic in the main event. Of course, we previously announced Michelle Watterson and uh, Amanda Hebus are going to be on that card. Uh, what about Matt Brown? I mean, Matt Brown is the hometown guy. He's got to be on the Columbus card, right? Like, that's kind of the perfect scenario yeah. for you to come back. Yeah, well, it makes sense, right? I'm trying. Um, I talked to Dana and, uh, and Sean, and uh, I'm trying to make it happen, man. That's all I can do. Would that be the ideal time? I mean, I'm sure in your head you'd like to fight sooner, but, you know, considering that's in March, I mean, would that just be the perfect – it would be worth the wait to fight in March if you get to fight in Columbus? Yeah, it would be perfect timing for me, man, with the holidays coming up and like we were just talking about with the kids and holidays are a busy time for me. So, uh, you know, three months after that, it would be a perfect time. Uh, have a good long camp, um, be able to – uh, get all my ducks in a row and be in really good shape and be able to put on a great performance. Uh, I know you're never a guy. I mean, I know there's been kind of those dream fights out there that you said, I would love to fight this guy one day, that guy one day. Uh, but with a card like this, I'm sure fighting in Columbus would be more special than necessarily the opponent. But 
Uh, you know, would you like to maybe rebook the Barbarina fight? Uh, I know uh, recently I talked to Kevin Holland. He's going to be dropping down to welterweight. He mentioned you as a guy. He said, you know, listen, Matt's a, a legend, you know, absolutely nothing but respect for you. He said, that'd be a really fun fight. A guy I know who got there and bring the fight to me. Uh, anybody in particular you'd like to fight or does it matter? Uh, you know, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. I mean, um, obviously, Barbarina was probably the first that came to mind because I thought it would just be rebooked, but he just fought last week. So I don't know if he'll be ready to fight again. Um, Holland is obviously a, a tough guy with a good name. That would be a great fight. Um, or anybody else. I mean, I'm not really too picky. I mean, you know me. You've known me for a long time, man. I don't really pick and choose. I, I say put a guy um, in a cage with me and tell me where to be and I'll be there. Yeah. I love that Holland matchup. When he mentioned that to me, uh, he was naming off some guys who would be good for, you know, his first fight at welterweight in the UFC. He said, Matt Brown. I was like, Oh, I was like, it's funny you say that. Cause I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you guys. And again, just to be clear, like Kevin was nothing but respectfully said, you're a legend. You know, he's like, that would just be a great fight. Uh, in terms of a guy that would go out there and have the kind of Matt Brown fight we're used to. I, I like that. I, mean, I know I'm playing matchmaker right now, Matt, but I think that'd be a really fun one. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the whole respectful call out thing, I don't really buy into that, man. Like if you're calling someone out, that's not respectful, period. Um, but you know, whatever, if, if he wants to fight, we'll fight. If they, <laughs> if they, if they put it on, uh, you know, if they give me the call, I'm down, let's make it happen. Columbus, March 26th. Let's go. Yeah. It's gotta be, I mean, come on now. Like you gotta have, you know, you always try to put at least, you know, one or two hometown guys on and, uh, you know, we know AJ Dobson has a fight coming up already. He's already scheduled. So, yeah. So, I mean, it would just make perfect sense for you to fight on that card. I mean, you know, like I said, there's just no one else that would make sense for you to fight in Columbus. You're the Columbus guy. You have a gym in Columbus. I mean, come on. It's just, it, it would just make too much sense. Yeah. And Sean told me when I first heard about that card, Sean told me that the card was full. Um, so the, I don't know if it might be too late already. You know, they don't necessarily announce the fights. Um, after, you know, even though they've been booked. So I guess maybe it's already full. Maybe someone could drop off. Um, there's so many things right now, especially with the, the whole Corona thing still going on. You know, people are dropping off all the time uh, for no reason, you know, whether it's short notice or, or whatever. And so there's lots of opportunities out there, lots of options. Columbus, of course, is the best for me. Um, I could sleep at home and drive downtown and go fight and come back home and sleep in my own bed so that'd be pretty cool um, yeah yeah so i'm down for whatever though yeah absolutely well matt uh beyond your own career of course part of the reason we're talking today on the podcast is to break down everything that happened this past weekend at ufc 269 what a freaking crazy card this was yeah. i mean every like everything everything that everyone you know i would say the majority of people thought was going to happen didn't happen i mean main event uh, you know, and listen, I will start there with, with Charles Oliveira getting a big win over Dustin Poirier. And, you know, going into it, I had Benil Darius on last week and we said we both agreed. We said that, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a coin toss fight. I was leaning towards Dustin. Mm -hmm. I said, I thought Dustin, his toughness, his durability, his ability to push the pace and really kind of just just continuously chip away at guys in that third and fourth round. I thought that would be the difference. And he actually said I lean towards Charles because he had a better grappling game now. Once again, Benil Dariush was right. Uh, that's exactly how it played out. His grappling did end up playing a difference. But I don't know, you going into the fight, Matt, like, did you lean one way or the other? Because like I said, I thought it was a toss-up, but I, I did lean Poirier. Yeah, I, I actually probably leaned Poirier maybe 
55, 45 or something, you know, <coughs> or, or maybe 51, 49, you know, just a, <laughs> just a hair. Um, like you said, you know, just, he's just such a dog, man. And if it got to the fourth or fifth rounds, um, and that was actually what I called, um, I was talking to my, my friend the day before, and I said, it's either going to be Oliver in the first two or, or a Poirier in the last three. And, uh, I guess I hit that one on the nose. I was, uh, I was really, you know, when Poirier started tagging Oliveira in that first round, I was like, this is going to get ugly in a hurry because he was standing in front of Dustin trading shots. And I'm like, this is a recipe for disaster because Dustin has such heavy hands. And Dustin has also got great cardio. And again, mm-hmm. he's got heavy hands, but he'll put it on you for three. I mean, look what he did to Justin Gaethje when they fought. You know, he had to go into the fourth round to finally get that finish. He will put it on you round after round. And the fact that Oliveira was standing in front of him, I was like, dude, do you got like a death wish here? Like, what's going on? But he he stuck around. He would not go away. He kept getting in the clinch. That 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 tie clinch was nasty, the knees to the body. And then when he finally started going to his grappling, I was just like, man, like, I listen, it was no disrespect to Charles Oliveira. It's just I'm such a Dustin Poirier believer, man. I'm such a fan of that guy. I just thought, man, you know, it's just his time. Well, I tell you what, Charles Oliveira proved a lot of people wrong on Saturday night. That's for sure. And I think a lot of people agree uh, exactly with what you were saying. After that first round, you thought, this is exactly the fight that Poirier would come in here looking for. And and he's getting exactly what he wanted. And uh, after that first round, I mean, you thought, dude, this is Poirier's type of fight, man. This is going to go his way. And I would I would bet that the betting odds lean towards Poirier after that first round. They even dropped him once, right? <clears throat> and, yeah, uh, he, he- Clipped him a bunch. Yeah, caught him a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. and But, you know, Oliveira was doing smart work, man, going to the body a lot, wearing him down. Like you said, those knees to the body. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you call, you, you said it uh, perfectly, man. You can't say enough about Oliveira, man, to, to just dog it out in that first round. You know, we all – I think all of us expected Oliveira to kind of play it safe early, right? We, we, you know – not gas himself out, not come in banging like that. Um, but he proved everybody wrong, man. You got to give him mad props. Like what a soldier, uh, what a fighter, what a skilled guy. <coughs> it's going to be a uh, man w- with all the killers in that division. It's going to be fascinating to watch him fight, man. Yeah. It's so funny. I think we get, and I'm, I know I'm guilty of this a little bit, you know, because I've, I've been around. I remember First time I met Charles, I want to say it was like a UFC on Fox card in Chicago, like, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was. First time I'd actually met him in person. Incredibly nice guy, incredibly well-spoken and always so talented. But I think sometimes in my head, I still get lost in like some of those really tough losses he had. Like when he got that step up in competition, he kind of fell apart a little bit. And and I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I do understand the criticism people had about how he kind of, you know, quit under fire. You know, he kind of wilted under the pressure and, Listen, I know that, you know, people are saying that narrative's not true. It was. I mean, it was. He did have that problem, and and he did seem to lose when he took that step up in competition. He would beat Nick Lentz, and I'm not taking a knock on Nick Lentz. Like, he would beat Nick Lentz, but then when he got to Frankie Edgar, he couldn't quite beat him. You know, when he beat, he beat, like, three other guys, but you get to Donald Cerrone, he couldn't quite beat You know, he couldn't quite get over that hump. And so I'll admit I was a little stuck in that mindset of thinking he's still that guy. He's not that. He's, I can't believe this is the number one guy in the world. But he is. I mean, you don't go yeah. out there and do what he did to Dustin Poirier over 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 two plus rounds, uh, and then choke him out the way he did, and, and fight such a great fight and show so much heart and determination. 
I mean, that is the best lightweight in the world. I mean, there's no question about it. In a weird way, I know the UFC, you know, they're, they're moving on beyond Khabib regardless. I mean, he's retired. You can't, you know, sit around and, and talk about Khabib forever. He's not coming back. But in a weird way, I think Charles actually helps the division move forward because he never fought Habib. He doesn't have that that shadow hanging over him that he just lost to Khabib. Yeah, he now has beaten, you know, he went out there and beat a guy that, you know, that Khabib beat. So I, I'm like I said, I don't have I don't have a better way to say it than than uh I'm blown away. I was just blown away by Charles. Yeah, he's well, he's an amazing fighter, man. And you know, to realistically, other than maybe in the Chandler fight all those questions we had about him just hadn't been answered. So we were all right to feel the way we felt. You know, I, I, don't, I think everybody was probably on the same page. Like if it went into deep waters, Dustin Poirier is going to have a huge advantage because of the questions that we had uh, about Oliveira. He proved us wrong now. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, that's what we say. I mean, he straight, he, he showed us all up. Um, maybe he did a little bit in the Chandler fight, um, I think he got dropped by Chandler once or twice too. Also, right? Yeah, he got dropped in that first round pretty hard, but he recovered and you know came back and knocked yeah. him out in the second. So, yeah, so that answers some questions. And now he's done it twice against you know Chandler and Poirier. I mean, Jesus Christ, what does this guy got to do? I mean, he's a dog like everybody else. Um, and boy, if, if he fights Gagey, that's going to be exciting <laughs> as hell. <laughs> oh my god like when i dude i get i get goosebumps when i think about gaichi fighting anybody but like now like i'm even more excited now because seeing the dog come out in Oliveira, seeing what he could do against a guy like dustin poirier uh you know i'm excited about all these fights i'm excited to see him against you know gaichi i'm excited to see him against dariush i'm excited to see him against you know makachev uh, you know, and Oliveira has always been an exciting guy, but he's now transcended beyond being the exciting guy. He's now the best guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he's not just the exciting; I, he's the best guy right now. And I got to be honest, man. If Connor gets that fight, I would be excited for that fight. I think matchup wise, I mean, I think we know if it goes to the ground, Oliveira has a, a gigantic. There's there's huge level difference there on the ground, but on the feet, boy, that is a very very intriguing matchup. I agree. I agree. Let me ask uh, one thing that happened after the fight. And I, and I, I want to, I'm bringing this up only because I'm hoping to have him on the show next week to help me break down. And we're going to do some year end stuff is Michael Chandler, who, who of course fought Charles. And after the fight, he was very critical of Dustin, you know, basically saying, you know, he would never quit. He would never tap out. Basically is what he's saying from the choke. He would go out on his shield. He would rather get choked out. You know, he never, and again, he wasn't like mean about it, but he's saying that. And of course, you know, Patricia Pitbull was very critical of that. I'm I want to get your opinion on this Matt because listen I've never I've never understood I know this sounds like a funny way to say it I've never understood like tap shaming that's never made sense to me like that's just part of the sport like like I don't understand why anyone would criticize a fighter for tapping out I mean that's just part of it I mean it, it, you know you get caught I mean I understand a choke is different than let's say an arm bar or, or a heel hook or something like that but like I think about like when they say an arm bar, like I would rather tap out than watch my every ligament and, and bone in my arm get snapped in a, in a second. Yeah. I know it chokes different, but you know, I mean, I don't understand why there's like this, this separation, like, you know, it's better to go unconscious than to just tap out. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hmm. agree with that. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm right there with you. I don't agree with it either. The fact is uh, you don't know. <clears throat> You don't know what, where that choke was at with Poirier. It's very likely. I mean, I've been choked out before, and 
<clears throat> tapped out to the choke. And every time I ever did, you know, the lights were already shutting out. It's like, you're not getting out of this at this point. You know, you are about to go unconscious. And it's like, so, so what's the saving grace of going unconscious? You know, what are you trying to prove? You're not proving anything. So uh, I think it's kind of pointless and it's uh, maybe just kind of shallow thinking. Yeah, I mean, I just... Like I said, I love Michael, man. Michael's a great fighter. I get, I understand the mentality. I do. Like, I understand the mentality of going out on your shield. Like, I get that. That's just like when you talk about, like, when a guy gets hit, it gets dropped, and, you know, we complain about, you know, maybe a bad ref stoppage or fighter saying, let me go out on my shield. We talked about that with the Baeza fight with you. Like, let me go out on my shield. Let me, you know, I'm not done. Let, Let me be done. If I'm done, you'll know it. Uh, I get, I understand that. I totally understand that. But I think with submissions, it's just like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it, I don't think it looks bad that Dustin tapped out. Not That's just all. part of the sport. Not at all. We train all the time, man. We get choked out. We go against high level guys. We know when it's over and Dustin's not a quitter. He's been, you know, if, if anybody's been uh, tested, we know that Dustin's, you know, Dustin's at the top of that heap, right? Uh, he's not a quitter. He didn't quit. He, he was done. The fight, uh, the fight was done. The submission was locked. He wasn't getting out. What's the point? Yeah. Why, why, why go all the way unconscious? I mean, you're not, again, like, what are you trying to prove? You know, you're not proving anything to anybody. Yeah. And let's also remember, I know this is a weird one, but let's also remember he was in a standing rear naked choke. If he goes unconscious and they fall to the ground, I mean, again, it's a bizarre thing, but he could snap an ACL. He, I mean, when you're crumbling like that, like when you go unconscious, your body's not reacting Maybe he goes head first and gets a concussion because he goes head first in the canvas. Maybe he falls and his his knee falls out from under. He snaps an ankle. I mean, these are things that could actually happen from a standing submission. You know what I mean? Like that's a realistic thing that could happen to him right there. Like again, he 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 was beaten. It's okay. Uh, and uh, and that's the end of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not about the tap shaming. I'm with you on that 100. <laughs> yeah, so this is ridiculous. Yeah. So now the other big fight, the co-main event, of course, was Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. And we talked about being shocked maybe a little bit by the way that Poirier Oliveira played out. I mean, come on. There was no more shocking moment maybe in this sport in this year, in this past couple of years, than watching Juliana Pena go out there and beat Amanda Nunes the way she did. Um I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable uh, to go. I don't know. Like what, what were your thoughts on that? Because I was, I'm not going to say I didn't see it coming because I saw a path to victory for Juliana, but I, I saw a path to victory for cyborg. I saw a path to victory for, yeah. you know, a lot of people fighting Amanda. It just didn't mean it didn't happen, but I mean, come on. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that was, that was a little wild. I tell you, um, I kind of called that one too, man. Not not confident enough that I put my own money on it, but I had a bunch of people text me like, "Dude, man, you, you know this is a, I think she was like plus one thousand on some betting lines and or some uh, websites." And uh, they're, they're like, "Dude, should I take this?" And I said, "Man, that's worth taking." You know, if she was a plus two hundred, three hundred, I'd be like, "Nah, you don't you don't go for that." But a plus one thousand, take it all day. Um. So I wasn't quite as shocked, but I was more shocked by the way that she did it. You know, I mean, she just, in that second round, she just dominated her. Um, the first round was kind of back and forth a little bit. and um, But that second round, I mean, she just dominated. And, and with really uh, simple things, uh, um, it looked to me like Amanda wasn't all there. 
Yeah. You know, I, and I don't want to take nothing away from Juliana. She's an amazing fighter and, and great and everything. It, it just looked to me like something wasn't there with Amanda. Something was missing. Maybe it's the new baby. Maybe it's uh, something in her life. Maybe she woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Who fucking knows, man? Like, it's a tough sport. Um, you know, maybe if the fight happened a couple hours before, she would have won. Who knows? But um, it looked to me more like Amanda just um, was just kind of going through the motions, I think. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because two things I said about Amanda Nunes going back a few shows, I said the one thing that I thought would defeat Amanda Nunes outside of a particular opponent was complacency. You know, what point does she just kind of get like that Anderson Silva attitude where she just kind of gets bored beating people? Like, you know, like I feel like it happened to Anderson after he defended the title 10 times, he jumped around weight classes. He had conquered his greatest foes with, you know, Chael and two fights and all the things he did. And then he got to Weidman and, and Weidman was so fired up and so ready. And Weidman had built himself basically saying, I'm going to be the guy to beat Anderson Silva. And I think Anderson was just kind of like, all right, whatever, you know? And, th- and then he went out there and did it. And, you know, of course that was the coronation and Chris Weidman became champion. But like I've said for a long time, I thought complacency would be Amanda's greatest enemy. You know what I mean? Like, can she get up and listen, I'm not taking anything away from Juliana, Juliana, you know, I'll come back to her in a second, but like, Juliana was two and two in her last four fights. She was kind of just getting the title shot because Amanda beat everybody else. I mean, was Juliana based on credentials? Yeah. You know what I mean? Based solely on credentials, did Juliana deserve a title shot? No, she was two and two in her last four. Her one win, she was on a one fight win streak over Sarah McMahon. By any stretch of the imagination, by any metric you want to measure it, that's not what you should earn a number one. That's not what you should earn a title shot from. So I can't help but wonder. And then Amanda, at the end of the first round, after she got Juliana on her back, and she's kind of beating her up, and she's just kind of like getting out of Kimura. She was smiling. She was kind of like looking like. And then I think what changed and what shifted the fight was in the second round when when Juliana started popping her with that jab, and Amanda yep. hit her a couple of hard times. So you saw Juliana's face afterwards. She was the one who looked like she had just been through a war. But Juliana didn't go away. And I think that rattled Amanda because Amanda's so used to going out there and just when she hits you, you go down. When she takes you down, you stay down. Juliana didn't. And I think that kind of threw her off a little bit. Yep. I'm right on the same page with you on that. I think we, we agreed on that. And then, as I say, it was uh, Amanda beat Amanda, it, it seemed like. But, you know, it's also, I mean, like you said, you know, she's maybe a little bit complacent, even just a hair, just a, a, just a little bit complacent, you know, just a little bit too relaxed. Whereas Juliana, I mean, this is the uh, shot of her life, right? Like this is her entire life, her entire legacy, her entire career is on this one moment. So she's putting every ounce of energy she has into this. And Amanda's kind of like, yes, yeah, and another person that I'm going to beat up tonight. And yeah, and that's all it takes, man. But I, I still would argue that Amanda's the more skilled fighter. And I think in a rematch, I think Amanda will come back and beat her. I, yeah, I would I, think her at least. Yeah. I, and I think, again, it, it all depends on Amanda, right? Like, that's what we're really hinging yeah. this on. That's what because if she comes back fired up and ready to go and, you know, motivated, all those kind of things. I have a hard time picking against uh, picking against Amanda for anybody, but what we saw on Saturday night, in my opinion, 
was the old Amanda Nunes came out. You know, the old Amanda, like, she was a front runner. She was a complete front. If she got you, if she came out there and, and tore through you in the first round, it was over. You were not going to survive. But if you survived, if you survived that early barrage and you got her tired out, you could beat her. That's what Kat Zingano did. That's what a lot of fighters early yeah, in Amanda yeah. Nunes' career did. And I think when she hit Juliana a couple of times and Juliana just didn't go down, like she did not go away. She's like, all right, come on, bring it. Let's go. I think that was like mentally defeating a little bit to Amanda because Juliana refused to back down, refused to go away when her punches landed and Juliana didn't go down. I'm kind of like, okay. And, and I think we saw the old Amanda come out, not the disciplined, vicious Amanda that has won 12 in a row that hadn't been undefeated since 2014, all those kind of things. We saw the old Amanda come out and Juliana feasted on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a good call, man. Like I said, Amanda beat Amanda, um, but Juliana was uh, there at the right time. You know, uh, she 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 was ready, she was prepared, and if Amanda wasn't at her best, and Juliana was going to beat her, and that's what happened, right? Uh, most likely, uh, that's what happened, and I uh, hopefully we see in a rematch. I want to see a rematch now. I'm really excited. I want to see them go back at it. And I want Juliana to have the chance to prove us all wrong that because Amanda's got to be fired up for a rematch, right? She's got to get fired up and, and prove that uh, that was a fluke. And uh, but you know, it's, it was interesting. I thought after she seemed very content and very ex- accepting of the loss. You know, she wasn't didn't seem disappointed at all, which is probably good for her as a human being, as a person, as a you know, she's not attaching her identity to her being a champion and she's happy with her life no matter what that's great and all but you kind of have to to be a champion right you have to have uh you have to it has to be that big of a thing it has to uh, affect you more than that i think so it'd be interesting to see if she comes back and has a, a fire up it up in her that uh, comes out and we see her and Juliana go at it again and give Juliana the chance to prove us all wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let me ask another fight on the main card. And this is, this is a tough one because uh, he's an Ohio guy, but Cody Garbrandt suffered another knockout loss. His flyweight debut. He got knocked out by Kai Kara France. Uh, this was kind of supposed to be a little bit of, you know, uh, Cody 2.0, so to speak, you know, dropping down to flyweight. He looked huge, by the way. He looked like a monster down to flyweight. But once again, he got he got knocked out. And now Cody, since winning the title, since beating Dominic Cruz to become champion, Cody's gone one in five in his last six fights, and he's been knocked out several times uh, along the way. Uh, you know, of course, with the the fight with Pedro Munoz, the two fights with Dillashaw, and now the fight with Kai Kara France. Um, when they asked Dana at the post-fight press conference, they said, well, what do you do with Cody now? And, and you know, Dana's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Um, I know it's always difficult to assess in the moment, even a couple of days later, like, what do you do with a guy? But I don't like I that's a question that's really difficult to answer because. It's so hard to imagine where Cody goes from here. He's one. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable to me that i thought cody was going to be a long-reigning bantamweight champion like i thought man you go out there and dissect dominant cruz the way he did i was like it's going to be really really hard to beat him and then when he got beat by tj after almost knocking out tj early i was like he got too emotional he got way too emotional in that fight he got caught but then it happened again in the second fight and then it happened with the pedro munoz fight and i'm just like i don't know like i don't know like 
I'm not I'm not saying Cody needs to retire or anything you know dramatic like that, but you know it, that's a pretty stark contrast from being the best bantamweight in the world to going one and five over your next six fights. So we can't. I mean, he's losing to nothing but good guys, but one and five is one and five. Man, that's what one of the things that makes his sport so brutal, man. You know, this isn't the difference between this and boxing is if a champion in boxing loses, you're going to see him get a tune-up fight. You're going to see him get his confidence back. He's going to have some pretty easy fights, or at least not necessarily easy fights, but matchups made for him to win. Cody didn't get that, man. You know, he he got his confidence taken away, I think, with um, – um, after he beat Dominic Cruz, it was what TJ had beat him up, right? And um, and like you say, he dropped, he almost finished TJ at the end. So you know, we're really all thinking, look, Cody still got it. You know, he just got caught with TJ, and then it happened again the second time. And um, I just think that's what TJ, uh, that's what Cody needs, man. He needs, uh, you know, I don't want to call him tune-up fights, but he needs some guys, uh, someone that that's going to uh, match up with him well. Um, Kai Care France was certainly not that guy. You know, he needs someone that's going to match up with him well, get his confidence back. Um, you could call it a tune-up, you could call it uh, a warm-up fight, whatever you want. But I think that's what he needs, man. Yeah, it's weird because what also concerns me is the change in weight class. Like because I think Cody, I mean, you, you, he was a champion of bantamweight, and it's not like he was ever giving up a ton of size. I mean, he just fought Rob Font, and yes, he lost, but it wasn't like Rob dwarfed him or anything. It wasn't like, you know, Frankie right. Edgar fighting a lightweight where he was fighting guys, you know, 30 pounds heavier than him when Frankie was lightweight champion. You know, now, like, could you imagine Frankie staying next to Habib or Dustin? I mean, those guys look, you know, huge compared to, to Frankie now at Featherweight. But, like, when Frankie dropped down after being a champion, it made sense because we all said Frankie was already doing the impossible by beating the best lightweights in the world when he probably had no business being a lightweight. Like he was never the, he was never a lightweight, never a true lightweight. Uh, so when he dropped down, we're all kind of like, yeah, this is probably what you should have done. You know, this is where you should have been originally. And the fact that you were a champion, despite all that is incredible. Um, with Cody, it almost felt like, okay, bantamweight's not going my way. Let me try flyweight. And he, you know, everyone said he had a good weight cut. You know, he didn't look depleted. He didn't look, you know, on the scale. He didn't look like he was, you know, his ribs were, you know, popping out of his body. Or like he didn't look, you know, he didn't look terrible. But then again, the results, what matters and, and he got knocked out. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like you're right. I think he, I think that would be a great solution for him. But then on the other flip side of that with the UFC is like, you know, he's probably making a lot of money. You know, he's probably making yeah. You know, and are they going to pay him, let's say, two hundred grand to go out and fight, you know, the number fifteen ranked guy, the unranked? You know what I mean? Like, can yeah. they justify that? And we know, and Matt, you know this as well as anybody. As you've been around the UFC for a lot of years. You know, when you when you price yourself out of a certain point and you're not producing results, there's probably a good chance they're not going to be in business with you anymore. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. Like, I remember years ago, Frank Trigg, who's a good friend of mine, I've known Frank forever. When he, I think he lost to Matt Sarah, and he got released after that. I think that was the fight. And I, and I said to somebody at the time, I was like, I don't think it's because Frank Trigg's a bad fighter. I think it's because he was making, you know, good money at the time, and he was on the prelims. I think, and I was like, at some point, they're not going to keep paying you the higher end money 
and you're fighting lower rank guys or on the prelims, like there's going to be a breaking point where they're just not going to have you. Now I'm 100% not saying the UFC is or should release Cody Garbrandt. I believe there's still so much talent there that you can make a comeback, but it is a difficult question to answer. Like, what do you do with him now? Like, do you just resign? Do you just give up on the fact that this is maybe not the top guy anymore and let him build himself back up again? Like you kind of feel like he has to do that, right? Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I think he's, He's got to he's got to work his way back up, man. I mean, it, it's clear that whatever, whether it's a confidence issue or 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 maybe a skill issue, I don't know. But it's clear that he's not going to compete with the uh, top guys uh, for a couple years. You know, he's still pretty young, and I think he could. I think he'd be well served to go back to the drawing board. Um, you know, and and build his confidence back up. He's got to get some good matchups. Start back, you know, not necessarily from the bottom, but start a little mid-level or somewhere. He's got to fight some guys that uh, match up well with him and then build his way back up. You know, they they keep putting up him up against these uh, contenders and and guys that are you know top five. Um, I don't know what uh, Kai Kara France was. He's close to the top five, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, he's got to step down his level of competition for a minute. I think that's all it comes down to and get his confidence back, get him. Cause it, it looks to me the way he fights, it doesn't look like he has that confidence that he had when he fought Dominic Cruz that, that he, uh, when he uh, first fought TJ, um, it doesn't look like that at all to me. You know, he looks very cautious, um, looking for the big shot one to get that knockout so that he can get out of there. He's not really working through, um, setups and, and traps and positions and, you know, it just—it's going to be a tough road for him, man. Like I said, th- this is a brutal, brutal sport, man. And the UFC is the most brutal, and uh, they don't really do the warm-up fight or tune-up fight thing. You know, you don't really see that very much. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do start talking about releasing him. But you know, I—I I, I do think he still has a, the potential to be a top-five guy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, before we get out of here, Matt, you know, also, uh, one other thing I want to just mention before we move on to a fight coming up this weekend, uh, is, you know, Sean O'Malley went out there and got a big win. Uh, I remember when we did the old podcast back in the day, when I was at Fox, you were one of the guys like you were kind of, even though, you know, you picked against him and, you know, I still hold that over your head that I picked Connor to beat Jose Aldo and you picked Jose (laughs) Aldo, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you were one of the early guys who was kind of on the Conor McGregor, you know, saying, Hey, this guy's legit. Like, it's funny. He's a, he's a legit guy. I get the appeal. Like, you know, you were, you were an early arriver to the Conor McGregor, you know, I won't say fan, but you know what I mean? Like a guy who understood what Conor was doing. Uh, where are you on the Sean O'Malley thing? Like, do you get Sean O'Malley? Do you, do you, do you find him interesting? I don't personally find him that interesting, but I totally get what he's doing. And I, and I, uh, I respect it. I love what, uh, I wouldn't say I love what he's doing, I guess, but he's smart, man. And when he said it the other day, I'm in the fight business, not the fight game. That was a very fascinating thing that he said. So he's got a real good head on his shoulders, man. He's very smart. Um, I look at myself as the opposite. I'm in the fight game. I'm not in the fight business. Um, so I, I understand where he's coming from there. And I think it's very smart for him, man. You know, this, uh, this stuff doesn't last forever. You're not going to be in the UFC for 30 years. This isn't, um, it can be a career, but for very few, um, you know, 
so I, I, I don't, I don't mind what he's doing, man. And he's got a lot of skills to back it up. I just, you know, I think just like everybody else, we're ready to see him fight some tough guys, man. We're ready to see him step up in top 15, top 10 guys. And we want to see what he's really about. And, yeah. uh, you know, cause when he fought Cheeto, who's probably, uh, I'm not sure if he's ranked, but he's certainly a top 10 level guy. Uh, is he ranked right now? Yeah, he is. I think he's like, I want to say he's like number 10 or number nine, somewhere around there, I think. Yeah, after beating Frankie, he got ranked, right? So, you know, whatever happened in that fight, you know, maybe that didn't tell us the whole story. Maybe it did, but um, that's where all of our question marks are, right? Can he compete with the top guys? What he's doing right now is amazing. It looks great on on TV. He's got a, a, a great following. <coughs> he's a... Uh, you know, an interesting guy is a smart guy, but we want to see the fight game. We don't want to see the fight business as fans, right? That's what we come to watch. We don't give a fuck about your business stuff. We want to see the fights. We want to see him fight a top, uh, top guy. We want to see him be tested. Let's see it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, real quick before I get you out of here, Matt, of course, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on this week is because we actually did the post show uh, when Tyron Woodley fought Jake Paul. I was at the first fight in Cleveland coming out of that. We are going to see the rematch this weekend. Uh, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, too. Uh, I was originally supposed to be Jake Paul against Tommy Fury. Um, I'm curious, Matt, you know, I know you have. You know, you're you're a you're a boxing guy. You're a boxing purist. You love boxing, and and I learn a lot more about boxing from you than I do from almost anybody because I don't follow boxing nearly as much. But I and I've said a million times. Listen, I don't begrudge Jake Paul. Good for him. Go out, and make your money, do your thing. I'm not, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, what do you think about this rematch? No idea, to be honest. What has Woodley been doing? That's the big question. I think Woodley is a better athlete. I think Woodley should be able to beat him, but can he beat him on a quick notice like this? Was it two weeks? Yeah. Is it, is it two week notice? Two weeks notice, yeah. Yeah, man. Has Woodley been training like that? Because look, Jake Paul's not a joke. You know, I mean, he's not a he, he's certainly not a great boxer. I mean, he, he's not a he, he's not going to be a ranked boxer anytime soon. I don't think he's not going to be a great pro or anything like that. But he's no joke. You know, he hits hard um, and he knows how to box. So Woodley better be in shape, better be ready, better have his timing good. Uh, and I, I think if um, if Woodley has all of his ducks in a row, I think he should be able to come in and beat him. I thought that the first time, too, though, and I was wrong. So it, it's going to be interesting on a short notice like that. I have a lot of questions. Though. I think we said it in the last podcast, Matt, that, you know, in that fight, taking nothing away from Jake Paul. But we I think we agreed. Tyron Woodley cost Tyron Woodley that fight. Yeah. He, you know, he had Jake backing up. He had Jake hurt. He had Jake questioning himself in that fight, and he just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. And you know, when Tyron Woodley lost, I think we both agreed he had no one to blame but himself. Now, knowing that the way he did, kind of like what he did with the Vicente Luque fight, where he came out and he's just like, "Look, if I'm going to lose, I'm just going to lose guns blazing." And guess what? He almost won that fight. He had Vicente very hurt. Vicente is just an impossibly tough guy and he came back and won. But I, I, I was like, you know what? I have zero problem with Tyron losing that way. You know what I mean? He went out on his shield. He went out there yeah. and, and did it. I have a much bigger problem with Tyron going out there against Colby Covington when he just looks like he didn't want to be in there. He's just backing up against the cage, not throwing punches, just not doing anything. Uh, 
if Tyron goes out there and attacks and, and does what Tyron can do, I think Tyron wins this fight. I really believe yeah. that. If he goes out there and does what he could do, what he should do, I think Tyron can win this fight and should win this fight. The question becomes, will he do it? Yeah, that's kind of exactly what I was saying, especially on two weeks' notice. Now, that could be a blessing or a curse. If he's in shape, um, you know, he's been training, he, he's kind of ready for uh, a fight, then look, a two weeks' notice could be a good thing for him. He might go, you know, he's not going to have a, a be burned out from training camp. He's not going to be feeling all that pressure for weeks and weeks at a time. And that two weeks notice could actually be an advantage. And he's like, you know, now's my time and only uh, a couple of weeks to, uh, uh, you know, uh, deal with all the media and, and all that stuff. It could be an advantage if he hasn't been training, if he's been eating Cheetos and, <laughs> and, and, and laying around, you know, drinking beers and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Cause he's going to, like you said, he's got to go out there be be the old Tyron, so to speak. Um, he's got to go out there and, and swing for the fences, man, and, and try to hit this guy, get in his face, push him around a little bit. But that's that's going to require some cardio. That's going to require a lot of energy. Um, again, Jake Paul is not a joke, man. He's not just he's not just some loser YouTuber um, trying to get famous here or, or trying to make some money. I mean, he's a you know he's a he's a legit boxer, man. So that's going to require a lot of energy out of Tyron. And I think it comes down to, does he have the energy and does he have the uh, willpower to go out there and push himself, um, you know, to win this fight? If he does, I think he wins this fight and I think it's big for him. What's your official pick? <laughs> you got me. What's your official pick? I'll let you go first. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to swing and, and go with Tyron this time. I, I think, okay. I think, I think he learned his lesson from the last fight and he's going to go out there and he's going to, cause again, I, I think Tyron beat Tyron the last time. I'm going to have a little bit of faith and say Tyron gets his, gets his revenge. All right. I'm going to go with Jake only cause it's short notice. And I don't, I highly doubt that Tyron was training hard enough to be ready for this. Well, there we go. Uh, I mean, Matt, right. is, it, is it an eight round fight? Eight, ra- eight rounds, I believe. Yeah, eight rounds. So yeah, I don't see, I don't see him being ready for eight rounds, man. Like that's a that's a long time to box a guy. Yeah. Well, thankfully he's not cutting weight. At least there's that. He's not cutting like one seventy. That'd be a whole other animal. It's like you know one ninety or whatever this is. At. I think it's one. I was the last time one ninety one ninety five. I think it's right around that same thing. So mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, so. I'm, I'm gonna go with Jake again. All right, we'll see who uh, we'll see who comes out on this one, uh, Matt. It's always a pleasure. I know you got a busy day ahead of you. Thank you so much for doing this. As always, uh, look forward to seeing you back in action. And uh, like I said, when you quit this whole fighting thing, come back and just do this podcast full time. Come on. No, I'm down, bro. You know <laughs> me. I'm ready. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right, bro. All right, later. There you go, the immortal Matt Brown. I uh, want to say a big thank you, of course, to everyone tuning in each week to uh, The Fighter versus The Writer, of course. Uh, make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, over on MMAfighting.com. We'll be back with uh, our year-end edition of The Fighter versus The Writer next week. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you then.
Vox Media Podcast Network. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.